Imagine starting a business with a single product and then six years later being at the point where you're turning over more than a million dollars a year. My guest today has done exactly that. Ryan Popov of Popov Leather started his journey making himself the perfect wallet and from there things snowballed. Find out exactly how he's managed to do it in today's episode. This is episode 210 of the Grain Thrive Podcast. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello there, Thrivers. Jess here, and welcome back to the show for another week. My guest today has a fantastic story to tell how he's managed to take his leatherworking business from himself in his basement to 12 employees, million dollars worth of revenue, and he's still very much in the midst of the business. I'm really, really looking forward to bringing you this episode. We had a fantastic chat and we covered all sorts of things, such as making the shift from just selling on Etsy to selling on Etsy and selling on your own website, what it's like to work with your partner, what it's like to make the decision to quit your day job and actually go all in with the business, and how do you make the decision to hire somebody else to bring into your business. We cover that and much more in today's episode. Now, Ryan sells exclusively, well, pretty much exclusively, predominantly online with his business, and he's done such a fantastic job. Now, if selling online is something that you know that you want to do, that you want to do well, and maybe find the success that Ryan has found, have you watched my 10 Essential Keys to Successfully Sell Handmade Products Online video yet? If you have not, Get yourself over to createandthrive.com forward slash 10. That's one zero createandthrive.com forward slash 10. And you can watch that workshop right now where I go through the 10 essential keys that you will need to unlock the door of successfully selling your handmade goods online. So go watch that. Well, maybe after you listen to the episode or hey, pause the episode, <laughs> go watch the workshop, take your notes and then come on back. But don't miss this episode. It's fantastic, full of great advice for makers all over the world. So let's get to it, shall we? I'm here with Ryan Popov of Popov Leather. And today we're going to be chatting about his amazing business journey over the last, what is it, seven, eight years now? Uh, six years. Six years. Wow. You've done amazingly in that time uh, and how your business has grown and developed so welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. It's great to chat with you. Um, I think you're like the third dude I've ever had on the show. So that's really awesome. Um, it's, it's, you know, the, the handmade community, at least the, the elements of it that I'm uh, closest to seems to be a very female heavy community. So it's great to get some guys on the show to talk about their experience as well. Speaking of which, tell us how you got started with leatherwork. Sure. Yeah. So um, I went to school uh, to be a sculpture artist. And, um, you know, after I graduated, I, I was kind of going from from job to job and, and just not really, I don't know, just kind of feeling lost. So I picked up a hobby, um, which happened to be leather work. And, um, you know, I set out this goal to, to create this perfect wallet for myself. It was always something that I had at the, the back of my mind. You know, I carry a money clip or I would just, you know, carry just a wad of cash in my, in my pocket. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just wanted a wallet that didn't have any branding that was just minimalist. 
And so, you know, to fill my time and to come up with something that was sort of, I guess, sculptural in a way, um, you know, I started doing leather work and just became obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of um, people who craft can, you know, attest to that feeling where you kind of just get into the zone <laughs> and you're just yeah. you're doing this thing, right? So, you know, I kept doing that. Eventually, I created the wallet that I that I wanted to carry in my pocket and, and my now wife, Jill, she, she said, Hey, why don't you put that up on Etsy? See how it does. And, <laughs> you know, uh, long story short, now we're, you know, we, we just grossed a million dollars last year in revenue. We have 12 full-time employees. We have a, you know, a workshop, um, and we're set to do 1.5 this year. So we're, um, you know, it all started on Etsy. Um, you know, <laughs> it just kind of, it was this loop. Um, you know, we, we put something up there, we got, we got money for, for what we made and then we bought better tools. We bought, you know, nicer material and it just kind of snowballed. That's amazing. And I love that wallet, like that original wallet of yours. I'm like, I'm the same. I actually uh, have just a small leather wallet. That's cause I hate like having to carry a lot of bulky stuff around. So mm-hmm. I love yours as like the super minimalist versions, like maybe one or two cards and some, and some notes and that's about it. Yeah. And I still, you know, that, that design, we still sell that design. It's still my favorite, still the one I carry in my pocket. So it's, you know, <laughs> haven't changed. The, the design that started it all. Yeah. So um, first of all, do you still sell on Etsy or do you only just sell on your own website now? So we do, we do still sell on Etsy, but it's, you know, it's, it's been completely dwarfed by our, our off, um, like our, our standalone website. So we, mm-hmm. we uh, went to Shopify, I think about three or four years ago. Um, so we were on Etsy for a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I owe Etsy a lot. Um, one of the great things about Etsy is you have this marketplace there. So if you have an exactly. idea, you put it up and, you know, right away you have people looking at it and they, they instantly validate it by paying for it, right? Like mm-hmm. what, what greater way to say, I like what you're doing than to, you know, give you 50 bucks for a wallet. So that was, <laughs> you know, that kind of, told us we were going in the right direction and and um you know we got to a point where we started a little, to get a little bit more savvy about you know um you know uh marketing and and mm-hmm. you know learning seo and all that stuff so we figured you know moving off site was probably a good idea and and it turns out it was you know our our sales are kind of slowing down on etsy but they're they're just ramping up like crazy off site so um it was a good 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 idea um looking back Okay, so for, I've got a few questions I want to ask you about that. But first, let's start with the we. So it's you and your wife both work in the business, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So me and Jill, we're both we're both equal partners. Um, you know, when we first started the business, it was um, it was both of us up until midnight every night. We had day jobs, and we'd come <laughs> home, and you know, we'd 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 do the orders in the evening, answer emails, and yeah. Um, now she's she's full time mom, but she's still very much in the business. Um, she's still working evenings. Actually, she, right now she's selling watch straps. So, um, <laughs> I feel really bad, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the workshop during the day and she's watching Thomas and Sean, uh, during the day and, and mm-hmm. she's, yeah, she's been, she's been with me this, this entire time. So I, I owe her, you know, a ton, a ton. Do you find that, um, in the beginning, perhaps, did you have sort of roles that you gravitated to or different jobs or did you sort of share everything equally? Yeah, actually, we we did. We kind of had the things we liked doing. So Jill was very much the the hand sewer. Um, I just mm-hmm. I still hate sewing things. So I just I refuse to touch it. Like I'll cut, I'll glue, I'll do edges. You know, I'll answer emails, but I just I hate for whatever reason. I just I'm terrible at it. And she's 
<laughs> just a natural. So um, that's, you know, that's her forte. She, she helped a lot with shipping and, and customers, um, like, you know, answering emails and customer service. Mm-hmm. Um, and we both shared that role. Um, but yeah, the, the defining, you know, the division of labor was strictly who would sew and who wouldn't, but everything right. else. <laughs> I love it. And okay, so, you know, you had, you, you guys had normal day jobs, you created this thing, you chucked it on Etsy. At what point did you go, oh, hang on, I actually have something here that could be a real business? Mm-hmm. It was, um, and, I, and I remember this conversation, we had it, um, it was in a park, it was a cloudy day. And <laughs> I remember um, we were both really upset because it was such a scary thing to talk about. Mm. Um, we were at the point where on Etsy, we were making um, the same as what we were making at our jobs, you know? Wow. So yeah. of course we were considering, you know, what happens if we go full, you know, dive headfirst into this and um, this becomes our life. Like what happens? Like what happens if, if we stop getting sales? Like, you know, mm. And, and to be honest, like six years later, it's still like that. It's still scary, mm, yeah. but I, I can't imagine doing anything else. So it was, you know, it was, it was probably the toughest decision I've ever made in my life was just to go, okay, I'm quitting my job. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we are, you know, I don't remember. And how, how far in was that when you made that decision? Like how long it had been, had it been? Yeah, I think we were selling on Etsy for a year and a half. Right. So, you know, quite some time, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn when you're first selling on Etsy and that mm. there's still, you know, you're, you're learning tons every day, but you know, to get, to really hit the ground running and, and to, to get to that point, it took us a, a year and a half of, of just, you know, really, you know, putting in eight hour days, honestly, yeah. like eight, 12, whatever it took, um, and to get the orders out and all that sort of stuff. So it was a lot of hard work. It is. And I think a lot of people aren't quite prepared for how much hard work it is in the beginning. Those first few years really are pretty full on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's still, it is still like that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you're starting, you, you kind of have to, and um, I like using Jill's mom as an example, because this is the same sort of discussion I had with her is, you know, you get to a certain point when you're selling on Etsy, you have to decide, if you want to run a business and you know you want to you want to make some serious money or if you want to stay um you know crafting if you want to do something as you really enjoy and not care that you're getting sales Mm -hmm. but at the same time you have to ask yourself why you're on etsy in the first place so i mean if you you know if you really want that that you know sky's the limit sort of thing or if you're you know just happy doing what you're you're doing and both are perfectly fine for Mm -hmm. me I wanted to go in that other direction, you know, the, the direction we're on now. So, you know, I just, it's never good enough for me. So that's, that's kind of the way <laughs> that I wanted to take it. But, and then, you know, so I talked to Jill's mom about this and she's happy, you know, it being a hobby and then just making, you know, some, some cash on the side and that's mm-hmm. totally fine. That's totally fine. Absolutely. And I think people sometimes get all excited about this idea of having a business without realizing how much work goes into the, the business side of things and then get yeah. disheartened because it just, it, it doesn't seem to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and it is absolutely fine just keeping it as a hobby. And I think, cause I, I'll, I'll see if, you know, if this has happened to you, did you find that your relationship with leatherwork changed significantly when it went from being, oh, something I enjoy doing to something I have to do? Yes and no. So I mm-hmm. found I found new ways of enjoying um, 
leatherwork through the business. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more working on the business than in the business. So up until maybe two years ago, I was very much on the ground floor making orders, you know, being in the business, making sure things were getting done. Now I'm more of a bird's eye view. Um, and I work, you know, I work with my team. So, um, you know, it can be very frustrating to pull yourself away from that. But now mm-hmm. I'm sort of into the aspect that I enjoy even more, which is creating new products, which is uh, marketing, which is, um, you know, doing a lot of the creative stuff and less of the sort of day-to-day making sure orders go out the door kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there is that element that brought me to Leatherwork in the first place, which was coming up with the idea for the wallet, which was, you know, testing my, my theory and, and being very creative. And that sort of disappears when all of a sudden you have, you know, a hundred orders in the queue and you're just working <laughs> like crazy to get these things done. You know, mm. I sort of touched on that meditative, you know, enjoyable process of crafting that doesn't exist when you, you become a business like that. It just kind of, mm. I mean, there's an element of it, but it's, it's very much a, it becomes a stressful thing. So, yeah. um, you know, th- to answer your question, yeah, I think I'm still, I'm still finding ways of, of enjoying it immensely. It's just, it, it sort of evolves over time. Mm. And having, I guess, being able to hand the production off to other people makes a big difference mm-hmm. with that because you are free to kind of play and just be, do the creative part of it, which is kind of what we really all get into it for in the first place, I reckon. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So at what point did you guys decide we're just going to, we're going to start hiring people, we're going to make this a real thing? Because most makers don't go down that path. They, they tend to only, you know, stay at a single uh, person working on the business or maybe they bring you know their partner in or some other member of the family was it a deliberate decision to really grow the team quickly or is that something that sort of just happened mm-hmm. so it, initially it wasn't so I talked about you know the hardest decision was quitting my job the second hardest decision was deciding to hire an employee mm-hmm. so I, I don't think we would have ever uh, considered hiring our first employee um, unless Thomas came along. So Thomas is our, our first firstborn. He's three years old now. Um, we hired our first employee when, um, when uh, Jill was just at the end of her pregnancy. So she was no longer able to help with the business. Um, mm. you know, she had a new responsibility. So I had to make a decision. Um, either we were going to hire an employee or we were going to scale back the business. And, you know, I was already on that path. You know, I wanted, you know, sky's the limit the path that I'm on right now. So I said, okay, let's just do it. Let's hire someone. We hired someone that we knew um, because we figured that it would be easier to explain that they didn't have a job anymore if we couldn't afford to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, all these things run through your mind. Like, can I afford it? Can I mm-hmm. do this, that, and the other? And, um, you know, we, we hired her and she worked out great. And then I quickly realized that I could get a lot more done if I had more hands in the workshop. So then we started hiring more people. And, you know, once you do something scary, it becomes less scary the more you do it. So then mm. it was much easier for us to bring people on. Um, you know, you, you start to learn about all the boring things like payroll and, and <laughs> taxes and then benefits and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, and, and, we're we're up to 12 full-time employees now um you know we have one person who just does shipping we have one person who just does customer service Uh, we just hired a production manager so he actually handles all the operational side of stuff now so i'm Mm -hmm. totally hands-off in that department i don't worry about any of it um Mm -hmm. 
you know, once you get to a certain point and you're, you're comfortable hiring and, and it, it just becomes a different, a different business, you know, you, mm. like, like focusing on different creative areas becomes sort of this, um, what used to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, <laughs> I hate that feeling. <laughs> oh shoot! I was just I was on this train of thoughts, <laughs> and it just it left the station without me. So I don't. Yeah, I don't, come back to it. Okay, <laughs> it'll, it'll come so, back to you. Sorry, it's <laughs> <laughs> all good. So um, one of the things I because I started my jewelry business, so I made all the jewelry. Then I started training my husband to make some of the jewelry. And I struggled with letting go of control of the production, of the quality and production. I mean, I still quality control everything. Both of us have check everything before we go out the door. Did you have any trouble letting go of that and like making yeah. sure everything was perfect? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm still <laughs> like that. I still go out there and I'm looking at things and people are like, oh, my God, here he comes. <laughs> Honestly, like it's so hard to let go because it's it's your baby. This this yes. is everything that goes out the door is a representation of everything you stand behind and everything that that you know. It's always that first impression that customers have when they they feel your product. But um, you know, I'm I've gotten to the point where I'm happy if it's ninety percent of what I would be capable of because then I know people are, you know, you can't you can't have people care as much about your business as as you do, but mm. I feel like we've gotten to the point where, where everyone does care a lot and mm. 90% is, is, is good enough. And there are ways of, you know, um, dealing with that, whether it's, you know, walking to work in the morning and, and just taking a deep breath or, you know, whatever. Um, it's never going to be hundred percent. And, um, that's just something that you, you have to realize and, and, and deal with. Um, I feel like, you know, where we make up the other 10% is through our customer service. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if we talk about marketing and things like that, one of the, one of the biggest ways that we've grown our business is, is through word of mouth advertising. So if a customer, you know, gets that, that product, that's not 90%, they get some, you know, something kind of whatever goes wrong, we own up to it. We, you know, either give them a full refund or we remake it right away. We never argue with them. We go, you know mm -hmm. what, you're right. You should have got something better. And uh, people respect us for it. And then they tell their friends, you know, they, mm. they say, hey, you know, I had a bad experience, but what an awesome company to deal with. So there are ways of dealing with that 90% that aren't just having a perfect product. You know, you can, mm. you can look at other ways of, of dealing with it. So that, that's what helps me, I guess. I think that's really interesting. I've had that experience too where, you know, I've shipped the wrong thing to the wrong customer or, you know, made something in a different color or something, you know, you've done, you've done something yeah. just wrong and, you know, how you deal with that really does impact how your customer sees your company and your business. And oftentimes those people can turn into really supportive fans of your business because you really go out of your way to take care of them. Yeah. And, and some of our worst, most annoying customers are some of our best, um, you know, customers who keep coming back to us just because we put up with it. And they're, they're fantastic people, you know, they're always saying, you know what, I'm really, really sorry. They're always apologetic, but they're, you know, I'll get like 50 emails from the same customer before he decides to, to, to buy a $20 wallet. And that's fine. You know, I like talking to these people, but yeah. You, you have to be prepared to, to have those conversations and you have to be prepared to 
to have a thick skin, you know, the mm. one star reviews, the, the whatever it's, it's tough, you know, there's, mm. there's yeah. Yeah, and you can't tough. please everybody, no matter how hard nope. you try. Even That's if you right. haven't made a mistake, somebody somewhere along the line will be upset about something. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you ever had to fire a customer? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's not so fun, but it's necessary. No. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so there's there's a certain point, you know, when that super annoying person becomes, you know, this customer that you have to say, you know what, I don't think I can make you happy. Here are some other people who do the same thing I do, and I really respect their work. I think you would have a better, you know, uh, experience with these folks. And we mm. we've had to do that um, sometimes too. And it, there's, you know, there's always a fine line, right? It's I guess it's yeah. your tolerance level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I like that uh, your perspective. I do something similar as like you. I feel kind of bad when you think about it because you're like, oh, I'm just sending this person to someone else to do something. <laughs> <laughs> But I do like to give them suggestions as well. It's like, I, I can't help you with this, but these people might be able to help you with this. And fingers crossed they can. Yeah, that's kind of so, an awful yeah. way of thinking of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now, I'm really curious to talk about your marketing because, you know, when you get to this point that you're hiring staff, you're relying on the, the orders to be coming in to pay those people, let alone take care of your own financial needs. What have been the strategies that you have employed to grow your business so quickly and effectively? Mm -hmm. So I think I think a lot of it comes down to again the word of mouth advertising. So we've mm -hmm. we've really built a strong reputation, um, you know, in our in our sort of in our sphere, I guess you want to call it. Um, you know, leather, handmade leather goods. You know, people know um, for the most part who we are. And they have a certain level of expectation when they come to, to deal with us in terms of customer service. So very early on, you know, in my Etsy days, when we started, when we started growing um, the business there, you know, the customers were always treated like golden, you know, like it, it we, we just had a gold standard for everything. Every time we had a customer communication or anything, we would always treat them exceptionally well. We would never argue with them, um, you know, bend over backwards, that sort of thing. And that, that, that partly comes from my customer service background, working in hotels and, and, and mm -hmm. the service industry and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it was always hammered into me that, you know, you treat the customers as best you can because that sort of thing doesn't cost anything. And then it, it has this profound effect. You know, people remember how they were treated. They, they especially remember how they were treated poorly. So, mm. you know, um, heaven forbid you, you say something nasty to a customer. That's the last time you're going to talk to them. So, um, for us, the marketing aspect and growing the business, the biggest thing was the customer service. The biggest, biggest thing was customer service. And then everything else sort of came naturally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now um, we're still focusing on the customer service stuff. But, you know, for me personally, the, the, one of the most fun parts of, of my day is going and, and doing the Instagram photo. Um, you know, I used to dread it, but, um, mm. I forced myself to, to take one photo a day and eventually I got pretty good at it. You know, I upgraded my camera, got a nice lens, learned how to use Lightroom. Um, and all of a sudden we have these killer photos and now we're able to take those photos, use them on our website. Um, we use them in our email marketing. Um, you know, it's with e-commerce, it's not one magic bullet that, mm. that kind of brings you those sales. It's a combination of a bunch of little efforts. And for me, one of the biggest wins for, for little efforts was doing the Instagram um, 
uh, photos because you can use them in so many different other uh, um, spots on your website yeah. that when people go to your website, all of a sudden they're captivated by all this, this imagery and, and you know, everywhere they look, there's these cool photos, these really nice um, leather goods, people using them, uh, pictures of the workshop, um, whatever. And then they join your email and then they get more and <laughs> all of a sudden they become very familiar with your brand and we have this, this certain aesthetic and, um, you know, they, they learn to trust and, and eventually decide to buy a, a leather book cover or a belt. Um, but yeah, I think the two biggest, I'm going to say two biggest things, treating the customers, you know, as you would expect to be treated, if not better. And, um, you know, learning how to be your, your own photographer. I think that, that sort of just, the rest just kind of comes naturally. Photography is, I say, basically the key to successfully selling yeah. online. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would 100% agree um, for the reasons I've already said, but also because you don't have a store, right? When people mm -hmm. go to your website, they're just in front of a screen. So you have to take those photos and those photos have to be just as good as someone going into a store and feeling and touching and smelling a leather wallet, right? So how do, mm. you, how do you do that? So yeah, photography is key because that's what's going to sell your product. And then when people look at it, it's, you know, the words come after that, the price comes after that. The first thing anyone ever sees is, is the photo. So you have to, you have to nail it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the aesthetic of your site and your photos. You know, it has that real warm sort of feeling like leather does. Uh, obviously not an accident, but it's, it's a great thing to see all of those behind the scenes shots and all of your staff looking really happy and working hard. And, you know, I think that really makes it feel personal as well, which is, you know, when you're running a small handmade business is absolutely key to helping people sort of fall in love with you and your brand. And it, it's so funny you mentioned that because we, we get the occasional customer and I still haven't decided if, if I should be flattered or annoyed <laughs> because they always say, um, you know, something aligns along the lines of like, you know, I sent this back to you. I figured you guys were this big factory or, or whatever. They would mention something like to give themselves the impression that we were just this big business operating out of a, you know, a, a giant warehouse somewhere. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, it was after the third or fourth person who said that. And, and I thought to myself, well, what am I doing to give these people this impression? Mm. And I didn't have a, you know, an about us page or about me or my story or anything like that. So that quickly came after and, and we, we stopped sort of hearing that, that sentiment. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the coolest things you can do as, as a, as a small business owner is tell people about you. Because mm. more often than not, people aren't, aren't buying the product. They're buying the story behind the product. And, mm. and they want to feel like they're supporting, you know, someone, right? So, um, you know, it could be scary to put your face out there. And it totally is. But, you know, just do it once. And then it's done. And <laughs> you can do it again. And you can invite your employees and your partner and, and your dog. You know, it's cute. It's, it's fun. And, and people, people trust you when they, they can see that you've gone the extra mile and done that. Yeah, absolutely. The whole no like and trust factor is huge in business. And I think yeah. anybody not taking advantage of that is shooting themselves in the foot, really. Mm -hmm. um, modern, you know, modern, especially online business is all about the personalities and all about uh, connecting with real human beings. So it is yeah. such an important part of your marketing process and strategy for sure. Mm -hmm. So what other ways So we mentioned, you know, you mentioned Instagram and, and word of mouth, obviously. Did you find it difficult at all to transition from Etsy to your own website? What sort of 
you know, did you work on SEO? Was it there other marketing, advertising or anything like that that you did to try to bring people across to the new platform? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole... Um it's a whole different ball of wax, you know, once you have your own website, because all of a sudden you're, you're sort of responsible for bringing that traffic. Whereas Etsy, you know, you have that pool of traffic to, to work with. But one of the cool things about starting on Etsy and then transitioning, you know, off site is that you start to learn all that stuff. You start to learn the SEO, you know, whether it's the tags, um, you know, that you use in the products or how you place them in the, the titles, mm-hmm. you know, how you structure the, the product description, um, you know, the photography, all those are key elements that you would use on your website, essentially. Um, I think the missing piece there is figuring out how to get those customers, you know, from Etsy onto your website. Mm. So for us, you know, it, like I said, we're still on Etsy. Um, you know, I never took those customers away and, and put them on our website. Eventually people would just start Googling, Googling our name and our, our website would be, you know, before the Etsy website. So I think for us, it was just kind of like that, that slow ball kind of rolling down a hill, eventually becoming this bigger, bigger ball than, than what Etsy was. (laughs) So there wasn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't send an email to everyone saying, Hey, we got this new website. We just kind of, you know, let it evolve naturally. We were were still working very hard on Etsy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we started a a Facebook page, Instagram, just focus on Instagram, you know, how to link to our website. And eventually people just kind of migrated to our website and that's that's just how it worked so do you still promote your etsy shop at all or do you just rely on etsy to bring sales to your etsy shop yeah we don't we don't promote at all on etsy mm-hmm. um you know i, I don't want to bad mouth etsy because they've they've given us a lot um i just find it too expensive to sell on there mm-hmm. people expect the same price on etsy as they do on our website and they do shop on both places um mm-hmm. so you know in order to do that I just can't advertise on Etsy. We'll keep the store open because uh, some people just prefer shopping on Etsy because they can, yes. you know, see all the reviews and, and feel a little bit safer. Uh, so I like to have that as an option. Um, but, you know, all our advertising, all our efforts are, are strictly on our website. And, you know, part of that is also being able to send emails to customers. You can't mm. really do that on Etsy. It's against their terms of service. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's more difficult to attract and retain customers on Etsy than it is offsite. You have a lot more control having all your eggs sort of um, spread across the, the channels that you sell on. So for us, um, yeah, Etsy is just there. You know, people can mm-hmm. find it, but we're not actively promoting it. Yeah, that's exactly how I am as well with my website. Like all of the marketing work I do, I direct it to my own website and the people mm-hmm. like we still sell a lot on Etsy. People find us through Etsy and that's fantastic. Like that's the benefit of being on, on the platform. And, and I mean, not everyone has the luxury of having a website and having an yeah, Etsy absolutely. site. Um, but another reason, you know, it's not a good idea to advertise to send people to, to Etsy is because it's a marketplace. So if they, mm-hmm. they look at your listings and they go, Oh, what's this other link? All of a sudden they're gone. <laughs> you know, they're, they're in, you know, you, you ever go on Wikipedia and you find something cool and then you find another <laughs> link. It's kind of like that, but you know, it's, it's someone you just paid to bring to Etsy. So it's, you know, it's, it just, after a while, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love what you said about, you know, keeping the Etsy shop for some customers just prefer to shop there. You know, they might have an account there. They just find it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a wise thing for us to keep our Etsy shops for that reason alone. I know some people can them completely, but I feel like I'd be doing myself a disservice if I did that. 
Absolutely. And my customers yeah. a disservice as well. Yeah. So what would you say has been, you know, I, I know you said that your the biggest sort of moments were deciding to quit your job and deciding to hire your first employee. Have there been any other challenging obstacles or moments that you've had to overcome in this journey? Hmm. You know, we, we touched a little bit on it, but it was, you know, letting go, mm. you know, um, that transition from working in the business to working on the business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get to a certain point in your business where you have to focus your efforts on growing or, you know, you just kind of, you're just making orders all day. So, um, you know, for, for me, it's, and it's still a struggle, you know, being okay <laughs> with the fact that not everything is going to be up to my you know, highest standards of excellence. Um, but also knowing that the people who are there, you know, they care a lot to, to do the best they can. And I feel comfortable knowing that. So, um, yeah, I think it's just letting go. I think that's, that's probably the other biggest struggle. And I, and I think, you know, had I not found another avenue of creativity within the business, I think I would still be working in the business, making wallets and things like, you have to be able to adapt and, and look at new areas of, of, of challenge and new areas of creativity to keep your, to keep your mind going. Cause people who craft, you know, you, you either have to be working with your hands or you have to be, you know, stimulated. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of people who, who do this aren't, aren't, um, aren't satisfied to do the nine to five and, and sit yeah. behind a computer desk all day. But for me, that's a necessity. And, and I have to find ways of, of, of challenging myself and find creativity within that. So, you know, to answer your question, um, I think, I think just letting go and, and focusing on growing the business has been the big, an, another challenge for me in, in addition to the other two. Yeah. I think that's a very, very true thing for most of us. Uh, that point of like letting go of, uh, of control, letting go of that, uh, you know, I made it thing as well. You know, when you start off a handmade business, I'm making all of these things myself. And what does it mean when I'm not the one making it anymore? You know, yeah. so that kind of making that shift, mental shift, if you are going to go in that direction can be a challenge, but I think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the most sort of exciting or successful moments that you've had throughout this ride that you've been on so far? Uh, one that, sorry, uh, one that, one that stands out for me, um, was last year hitting the million dollar mark. I mean, I never would have <laughs> thought, you know, this, this guy making leather wallets in the, in the basement of his, of his house would ever <laughs> achieve something like this. So I think that's probably one of the greatest moments, um, you know, just hitting that achievement in November of last year was just like. I was over the moon, you know, it, it was just, uh, like what a pat on my back, like what, however, you know, like how do you define success? I guess this is it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But you know, <laughs> at that point it was, it was just like amazing. Like I didn't think I could ever do something like that. And, um, yeah, I, I honestly, that's the one that stands out to me. There's lots of, um, there's lots of daily, sort of affirmations mm. of that, um, you know, going into the workshop and just being happy to be there, mm. um, you know, going to work every day and not dreading what's behind the door when you get there, um, <laughs> you know, working with people who genuinely enjoy what they do and being able to provide an environment where 
um, people can come to work and, and not feel like they're working, but feel like they're part of a team and, and mm. just, you know, liking what they do. It's, it's awesome. You know, all my life I've worked jobs or I've just, I've just hated it. And, yeah. and I think, you know, maybe more than making a million bucks is, is being able to go somewhere every day, being able to provide for your family and, and your uh, community and, and love what you do and not, not feel bad about it. It's, I think that's, I think that would be the thing I'm most proud of, to be honest. If you told past Ryan when he started all of this, that you'd be where you are now, do you think he would have believed you? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. No, it's crazy. (laughs) I love it. So what does your general day look like? Do you like, I'm assuming you have a, a studio or workshop somewhere else or is it still like in the backyard? How does this work? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we, um, we moved out of our basement suites, um, you know, four years ago, we actually, we moved, um, across the province, built a house and in the bottom of the house, the bottom basement was supposed to be our workshop. And it was Mm -hmm. for a year until we had too many employees, um, (laughs) that we were just like, we couldn't even, we couldn't even share a washroom. Like it was just, we're tripping over each other. And, and then, so we, we moved off site. We got a, um, a 1400 square foot workshop that we operate out of now. Um, and um, so I come to work every day. I have an office. I share it with our production manager. And um, essentially, it, this is going to sound really boring and lame, but the first thing I do is I sit down, answer emails, pay a bunch of bills, and <laughs> uh, then I do Instagram. So Instagram's, mm-hmm. you know, I go. I, this is my time to hang out in the, the workshop, see what everyone's up to, um, you know, get inspired and, and take some cool photos. Um, you know, we started doing a daily meeting. So we do that. Um, and then I go back in the office and then I look for, you know, new ways of growing our business or, um, you know, working with another team member to develop new products. Um, and to be honest, there's so many people coming at me from different directions, whether it's in the workshop or, you know, from, uh, around town or it's people trying to sell me stuff a lot of the day is spent sort of in meetings or talking to people. And yeah, you know, even just saying it now sounds super lame and boring, but um, <laughs> honestly, I would rather, I, there's nothing I'd rather be doing. And, and honestly, I enjoy every minute of it. So, um, you know, there's, there's still a lot of creativity, but there's also a business to run and, mm. you know, uh, it's all part and parcel of it. But I have to say, um, one of the things that I used to hate doing the most was taking my mail to the post office. <laughs> I mean, to know the hours and, um, you know, I am happy to say now that, uh, there is someone that I pay to do that. So that is not part of my agenda anymore. Um, I just wanted to get that off my chest. So uh, for anyone, anyone out there who's, who's still struggling with the post office and figuring out postage, I feel you. Um, one day it'll get better. <laughs> I love that. It used to be a 20 minute trip for us to get to the post office. <laughs> now it's literally a one minute drive or a 15 minute walk. So it's much better than it was. <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember when, uh, before we moved out here, Jill was lugging, like she had these big, huge reusable bags, just full of mail. And she would have to walk probably half an hour. Cause we didn't have a vehicle when we lived in Victoria, but she, mm-hmm. she had just armfuls of mail and she would, she would have to be at the post office before it opened uh, because there would be a huge lineup. Uh, so like oh, she would wow. have to get there. It, it was just a mess. It was the, the <laughs> least glamorous, the least exciting part of running uh, any business is, is ha- having to deal with the mail. Um, 
It's so true. Uh, Victoria, I love Victoria. My brother-in-law lives there with his family. So. Oh, nice. Nice, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, we were just there in January, January, February this year. It's a lovely little city. Oh, nice. I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys moved elsewhere in BC? Yeah, yeah. So we moved into the interior. So that's where our families mm-hmm. were from. Right. Jill and I met, met in Victoria, but uh, our families were from the same area. So we moved back here. Her dad happened to be a ca- uh, carpenter and her mom was a house designer. So we had a huge leg up. Um, in the home so um, everything kind of just fit together for us it was was awesome yeah that's fantastic so um, you know you're saying Jill your wife is you know mostly a stay-at-home mom now what uh, aspects of the business is she still involved in or just kind of what she needs to do uh, well, she has to put up with me every day so I come <laughs> home and I you know I complain or I talk about it and and it's I don't like I <laughs> I keep thinking I'm the most boring person in the world because I was just about to say this is all I talk about and it, it really <laughs> is like I don't I can't think of any hobbies I'm into um, other than the business so I mean she she is part of the day-to-day operations so like we will discuss sort of the high-level stuff and mm-hmm. everything that's big picture will have to be approved or, or discussed with her um, prior to, to anything so she's very much still uh, a part of the business um, like I said, she's upstairs right now, sewing watch straps. So she's helping, you know, <laughs> we do overflow, like we have a big sale and we need to get mm-hmm. stuff out the door. She's more than happy to, 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 to help out. Um, and then, um, you know, when the kids are a little bit older, she'll be transitioning back into the workshop. So, um, she's always very much a part of the business. She's even, you know, answering emails, uh, on their laptop when, when both the kids are napping. So, um, She's very much like me. She's very, very into the business. So it's, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better partner. And, and if I can just add something um, for, you know, um, for other people who are, who are working with their partners like yourself, um, one of the biggest, one of the biggest struggles and, and one of the ways of knowing that you found the right person is running a business with them because <laughs> there are no better arguments than, than day-to-day business stuff. Like, some of the worst arguments we've ever had was just how to deal with stuff in the business, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's how we sew something or, or do something, but you learn to overcome that and you become a much stronger person. And I think that if you aren't with the right person, then you'll know very quickly if you're, mm-hmm. if you're running a business together, you'll know very quickly. Yes. It's, it's so funny. I'm sure you guys have probably heard this as well, but you talk to other people about this and like, I could never work with my spouse. I'd, you know, they drive <laughs> yeah. me crazy or I'd hate to be around them all the time. And I just like, yeah. I can't understand that. Like I can't, I can't think of anything better than being here all day, you know, with Nick and we have lunch together every day and, you know, we put our heads together to, to find solutions to things and, yeah. you know, it just works for us. And that's what I mean. So you've, you've obviously found the right person. So <laughs> yeah, hang on to them. Very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've obviously made huge strides forward in the last six years of growing your business. Are there bigger steps you want to be taking in the future? I, th- I think for me, um, I would love to own my own workshop, like my own building. Mm-hmm. I don't, want, I don't mm-hmm. want to rent. And I would love to have a store you know, someplace people mm. can go and actually see our stuff. We have people who come and visit and, and they're quite shocked to see that we're just, you know, this almost, I don't want to say factory, but that's essentially what we are. We're, you know, we get orders, we make them and they get mailed out. And then someone, you know, people come in and there isn't just product everywhere that people can look and, and buy. They, so <laughs> I would like to have sort of a, you know, a brick and mortar place. You know, I think that would be really cool. Um, you know, I'd love to grow our team, you know, provide more jobs for the area and just see where 
where we can go with this business. Um, like I said, sky's the limit. That's the path I want to go on. And um, either I'll have a heart attack or we will be <laughs> you know, super successful. And whatever. I don't know. I, it, it, one, of the, one of the weirdest questions I always get asked is what's your exit strategy? And I find it so mm. like cold and uncaring and mm. maybe I shouldn't, I don't know. But um, for me, I, d- I don't have one. Like I don't, I don't see myself doing anything else. Mm. So um, whether it's, you know, having that workshop or that store or growing the team, there's all these different directions I want to go in. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of what's, what's, pushing me forward. So I don't have an exit strategy. I just want to keep it. That's a very businessy question, isn't it? To, know, for people to ask, Where, how, how, you know, what, when are you going to sell? And I'm like, I know, I feel like, think that way. <laughs> I know. And I feel like I should have an answer. Like it makes me feel bad that I don't want to do this or it makes me feel bad that I do want to do this for the rest of my life. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. No, just say I'm doing what I love and that's what matters. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. And hey, if that changes, I'll come up with one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. Uh, So now, do you guys exclusively sell online or do you also wholesale? So we exclusively sell, um, no, I'm not going to say exclusively. So we mm-hmm. predominantly sell direct to consumer and that's kind of how our margins are built. We've slowly crept in some wholesale stuff, uh, but we don't pursue it. So if people come to mm-hmm. us and say, Hey, do you wholesale? Sure. Let's do it. Um, but we don't, we don't put any marketing efforts towards that and I don't right. actively pursue it. And what about markets or shows? Did, was, has that ever we, been part of your growth strategy? So we did one market once. Um, so you probably know where this is going. Uh, you, you have to be a specific type of customer who goes to a market looking for a $100 wallet or a, you know, a, a, a $300 leather bag. And unfortunately, all the markets in our area just aren't suited to that. It's more um, ceramics and that sort of thing. You know, and, and I'm the same way. Like when I go to a market, you know, I have 20 bucks or 30 bucks or 40 bucks in my pocket. I, I'm not really there to drop a hundred dollars on a wallet. Mm. So, um, we did it once it didn't work out for us and you know, we just have way more success online. So let's, Mm. we're just going to focus on what we do well. I think that's fantastic. And I think you, you sort of hit on a point there that I think a lot of people struggle with is that they go to sell at a market and hopefully they're pricing correctly, that which means, you know, things are at a decent price point and they struggle to make sales because that's, you know, unless you're going to a big show or big design market where people are really G'd up and ready to spend money, yeah. you're yeah. going to struggle. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that can be so deflating, you know, mm. for us, because we've already had that success online, it was like, okay, well, obviously that was an experiment, didn't work, but... <laughs> You know, for for other people who do that and don't have that, um, you know, that backup, it could be so deflating and discouraging. Mm-hmm. So I, I think maybe an important lesson from from that is, you know, don't just limit yourself to a market. You know, try different places because there's always a specific customer looking for a specific thing, and chances are they're not going to be walking by you at, at a at a market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas when they they hop on Google and put it in the search bar, you yeah. might just come up. Exactly. And that's exactly. the beauty of selling online is you can reach yeah, every exactly. billion, billion, 7 billion people around the planet can possibly find you if they're looking for what you make. Yep. I love fantastic. it. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. It's been absolutely fantastic to chat with you about your um, fantastic 
trajectory that your business has taken. It's so impressive. And uh, I think it will be really inspiring to a lot of people out there just to see what is possible uh, if you really go for it, which is fantastic. So where should we look to find you online? Uh, yeah, so our website, obviously, um, it's just our, our name, popoffleather.com, P-O-P-O-V, leather.com, and, uh, and Instagram, so at popoffleather is, uh, is where we do most of our photos and things. So Excellent. Yeah. I'm going to go stalk that myself. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thanks, Jess. I appreciate it. I love Ryan's story. I think it's so super inspirational and it goes to show what is possible if you believe it's possible and you do the work to make it happen. So congratulations to Ryan on all of his success in the past and I'm sure success moving forward as well. Remember, if you haven't already, if you didn't pause at the beginning and go do the workshop, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash 10 and go get yourself access to the 10 essential keys workshop where I cover those 10 keys that will unlock the door of selling successfully online. Don't miss it. Createandthrive.com forward slash 10. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. I really, really appreciate you being here. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do share it rate it or review it. Any of those things are free and easy to do and they make such a difference. They really help to get the word out about this podcast because I would love to reach as many makers as possible and help them on their creative business journey. Whether that's sharing it on your Instagram stories, whether that's telling people in a Facebook group or just leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app of choice. That would be absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate you being here and trusting me to help you on this journey. My name is Jess Van Den, and I will be back again next week with another episode of the Create and Thrive podcast. Bye for now.